Running a small business can be very hard. Entrepreneurs wear so many hats. Marketer, appointment setter, content creator, consultant. If you're still running your small business on your own, you've just created another job for yourself. Hire help today. Scale your business, attain more clients, and generate more revenue. Let FlexPro Staffing Solutions build your business by hiring a virtual assistant at an affordable cost. Dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She's a queen. episode of the key chat today my very special guest is miss keisha perry walker keisha is an entertainment lawyer she's a wife a mother a top attorney so we have a lot to chat about i want to just chop it up with her on her wonderful career and how she balances it all as a loving wife and mother so how are you doing today I am well. I'm well. It is a rainy Saturday here in Atlanta, but it just means that that's a day to relax, rejuvenate, and refresh. So I am doing well. Awesome. I'm so happy to speak with you. And I'm close to you in Louisiana, so I know how it is about those rainy days. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we have been getting slammed. And then we had like a 20 degree temperature drop that it was like 80s yesterday it was a beautiful day and today is like cold and rainy so (laughs) you guys can keep that cold weather though i don't (laughs) like i said i'm so happy to speak with you and i know you're in atlanta but i know you started your roots in memphis tennessee so i wanted to start off by asking just about your roots how you got started and what led you to become an attorney. And I know just reading up on you that you are the product of a teenage mom. So I just wanted to ask like, how did that drive you just to your success and your ambition now? Um, I think that that played a huge role. Um, My mom, even though she had me at 16, like she was a mama and she was a black mama at that. She was a, I don't play, I said what I said, I meant what I said type of mother. But I also knew from a very young age that her having me young, she carried that with her. Um, And so the way that she raised me was because she felt like she had a lot of people to prove wrong. Um, And because of that, I then picked up that torch in order to 
make her proud, to make her feel like, okay, what was deemed, because, you know, back then, having a kid at a young age, it was frowned upon for her generation. Um, So I think that for me, it was one of those things of, okay, I need to make sure that I do things that can make my family proud so that it does not look like, oh, she had this kid at a young age and now the kid is wayward and the kid, you know, has gone down the wrong path. So it was definitely a motivating factor um, in why I am who I am today. Um, But also, like I said, because in her own journey, she had something to prove. She was very adamant about raising me under a very strict set of rules. Um, And like I said, like my mom didn't play. Like my mom, like I was a kid that my mom could just look at me and I'd be like, okay, this lady crazy. Let me just fall in line because I'm not trying to have smoke with her. Like that was my mother. I hear you. I hear you. Well, that's actually a beautiful thing, though. And it's a obviously with your career now, I'm sure that's a huge compliment to your mom and her parenting and how she took care of you, loved you, and raised you. So with you being an entertainment lawyer, how Mm -hmm. did you decide with your upbringing? I know you had that drive instilled in you. And like you said, it was your mom put it in you to say, hey, we're going to defy stereotypes and we're going to prove all the naysayers wrong so when you were you had that drive in you and that spark what made you decide because i'm sure you had a lot of different options on what career path you can go in so what made you choose law uh, I credit my grandmother with that. My my mom's mom. Um, I was always an inquisitive kid. I was always asking questions. I always wanted to look at all sides. And my grandmother would always say, you talk and debate so much, you should be a lawyer. And I was like, this started when I was like little five. And I was like, what, what does a lawyer do? And me being the inquisitive kid, you know, because back then we had encyclopedias. There was no internet and World Wide Web. So I began to research what are attorneys? What do they do? How much money do they make? And I was like, I can do this. That's where it was birthed. And from that point forward, I was like, I want to be a lawyer. I like, I always liked helping people. So this was a great way for me to be able to do that. And again, the more that I studied upon it, having, you know, an affinity for business and coming from a family of entrepreneurs, I felt like the legal side would allow me to do both. And it has. Mm-hmm. Now, with your field that you chose, I know you're an entertainment lawyer. So tell us about so, so first off, for some people who may not be familiar with exactly, you know, what entertainment lawyers do. Can you break down what you do in your field as an entertainment lawyer and what led you to choose that particular genre, that field in the law? Sure. So as an entertainment attorney, I represent musicians, filmmakers, digital and social media influencers, and I am the deal maker. I'm the person that reviews, drafts, negotiates, revises their agreements. So if a music artist is signing to a label, 
I would be the type of attorney that they would call. If a um, writer has a studio or a network that says, I want to pick up your project, I would be the person that they call. I also am the person that when the contracts are being negotiated for those film and television projects, when we are serving as production legal, I handle that. In representing influencers, I'm the person that handles um, brand deals. So if Coca-Cola or Savage Fenty or whatever the brand is saying, hey, I want you to promote my product, I'm the person that handles the contracts for that. So that's what I do as an entertainment attorney. Um, I got into this space because I am a graduate of University of Tennessee, go Vols. Um, I went there undergrad and law school and several of my friends were playing football. And what I noticed is I felt like they were not properly protected and they weren't being properly instructed on not only how to be successful on the field, but how to be successful in business. And I, again, being that person that does research, I'm like, who are the people that are tasked with helping them to do that? And I saw that entertainment attorneys were one, well, sports agents and attorneys were one. And that kind of opened up my eyes to the world of sports and entertainment. Ultimately, I did less on the sports side and more on the entertainment side, but that is where that seed was was dropped when I was in school at UT. Okay, okay. Who have been some of your notable clients and with those clients too, what have been some of the things that I, you learned the most? Because I know like with entertainment, I know you're mentioning contracts, which that's something where I know in entertainment, a lot of people... Some people, I would say, have unfortunate stories where they may have lost money or they signed deals where they didn't understand what they were reading oh, yeah. and they did money better. So who have been some of your notable clients and what have been some of the main things that you learned in just protecting them? Because as I mentioned, some people, they contracts are a scary thing for some people and it's not very clear. And that's something in the entertainment business that a lot of people need education on. Absolutely. So my first named client was D-Rock of the Yin Yang Twins. So this this shows, you know, this was a moment ago. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget getting that call and feeling like, man, you know, like I have a named client. I, I feel like I have arrived. Um, and eventually I have an represent clients like Plies, David Banner, uh, Tashina Arnold, Tiny, um, Tiny Harris of Escape. Um, those are a few of the clients that I represent or have represented. Um, I think that one of the most powerful things that I have learned in my representation is one, it is all about building rapport with your clients, right? Because I can't compete with the money that is being offered. I learned very early on that all of the great sense in the world and all of the business acumen cannot compete when an artist is faced with, I either take this deal or my family is being evicted. 
I either take this deal or the health of my family is at risk. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from because a lot of times you hear the term starving artist and people take that very lightly, but that's literal for some people. That check is what is the difference in feast and fat or famine for them. So that was a very powerful lesson because me, I'm looking at the contracts to say, you know, hey, this isn't the best deal or this isn't a fair deal or I don't recommend that you take this deal. And I had a client one time ask me, he said, can you write me a check to match this? And I'm looking at him like, why would I write you a check? And I was like, no, I'm not going to write you a check. He said, exactly. He said, this money even though you're telling me, and I understand that this is not the best deal, and I probably will regret it later, but I have to make a decision for my family right now versus waiting for some unknown thing to happen in the future. Mm. With that, understanding the rapport, and that rapport is important because then you are able to better understand your client's position, and it brings the humanity aspect into your work. Right. Because other than that, you're just looking at the four corners of a contract and it's just kind of like, OK, is this a good or a bad contract versus is this a good or a bad contract for them for where they are right now? And that is the element of distinguishing whether or not you are just a lawyer or you are a lawyer that is advocating for the whole being of your client, not just on that one aspect of their lives. Hmm. Wow, that is very powerful. What have have you had any challenges as a woman of color breaking in your field? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I work in a male dominated field. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, most of the attorneys that are revered, even when you hear songs from artists like Jay-Z, Kanye, you know, your big name stars. They validate white Jewish males a lot of times as the gold standard. And the problem with that is you have a lot of times like women of color, including myself, that sometimes can go in those rooms and we stand toe to toe with these with our counterparts and our colleagues. But we're not given the same level of respect even though the way that we approach things may be better, um, how we advocate for our clients may be better, but we have to fight for that. Um, you know, we deal with not only racism, we deal with sexism. Um, you know, it's, it's all of these things that you do deal with, but you also kind of get to the point that you understand like, hey, this comes with the territory. How do I turn this into my benefit versus making it an Achilles heel? And that's something that I feel like, hey, for those clients that are very adamant, like I prefer to have a woman of color in order to be my representation, those are my people. For the people who don't understand or see the value, those aren't my people. So those are not the people that I'm going to spend or dedicate a lot of time into trying to convince them that they need me. Because again, most of the time we get them coming up, we get them coming down. So at some point they do understand like, 
oh, maybe I do need this type of person on my team. But again, I am at a point in my career that I understand who my people are and who they're not. So for the ones that are not, they're lost. Wow. I love it. I love it. Now, going back to just some of the things that you mentioned with the entertainers that you work with, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, Easter famine, starving artists, that is definitely a true thing for creatives. And it's not something that a lot of people do understand for like up and coming creatives who have found a niche for themselves and they're getting blessed with the opportunity to get those brand deals and things like that. But again, they're not really familiar with contracts or things that may not really benefit them that they would, that it may seem like it's a lot of money initially, but in the long run, it's not. We all know of entertainers mm-hmm. that we all know and love who have had those stories of how they had to go bankrupt or they signed a record deal and got absolutely nothing or they did all these videos and come to find out later, hey, all the money I earned had to go back to recoup everything what advice would you have for people that, you know, they're coming from they're normal people like you and I, and they just want to take care of their families while doing something that they love. So when they see those dollars, it's like, oh, wow. But they don't necessarily know the business side. What's your advice to, if there's any to just for someone who's not familiar, how they can possibly avoid getting into a bad deal? Well, I think the first thing is getting proper representation because we don't know what we don't know, right? It's it's that simple. Um, and somebody who I always quote is Magic Johnson. And he says, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And for what I don't know, I bring in experts. Mm-hmm. And because of that, if you don't know, use a resource. You know, I think about, those times where we sometimes are so steadfast in I'm going to try and do it myself that we screw things up or we make it worse for ourselves versus phoning a friend or asking someone who may know someone that can at least point you in the right direction. We live in an era now where the internet is powerful and that's not to say that everything that you find on the internet is accurate. But if you research enough and you are finding that there are several different independent resources that are saying the same thing, then that gives you a foundation to be able to build on, right? Mm -hmm. I always tell clients, you know, they're like, well, I'm at a point that I don't know if I can afford an attorney. Well, you may not be able to afford the attorney from the big retainer perspective. But if you do your research and you go and you schedule a consult, a one hour consultation with an attorney, you may be able to afford that consultation. And if you've done your research, you can talk to that attorney in order to break down the things and to verify what you have found to determine the accuracy of it. There are so many different ways that you can get to the finish line. And sometimes we're so busy looking at, oh, I have to have this full picture painted versus looking at it small steps, little by little to say, okay, well, if I can do this one hour consultation, I at least understand this, this and this. And then I may be able to save up to do another hour consultation and build towards the greater retainer. But at the same time, you are getting the foundational knowledge that you need. 
So the biggest thing is making sure that you have competent and adequate representation. The other thing that I will say when it comes to that is not all attorneys are created equal. And what I mean when I say that is no more than I am an attorney that is created to handle a merger and acquisition because that is not my area of specialty. You cannot go to a real estate attorney and expect them to be able to represent you in entertainment if that is not their area of specialty. And no more than you would go to a pediatrician in order to operate on a cancer patient. Like there are specialties. And a lot of times I have clients that come to me and they're like, well, I had my real estate attorney to look over this deal. And, you know, they said it was fine. And I'm like, it was fine for the knowledge that they had, but they left out this, 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 and this because they don't know the industry. They didn't know to ask for it. And a lot of times when it comes to contracts, it's not just about what's on the paper. It's about what's not there as well. So having competent representation is super important. And the same way that, you know, people spend money on a million different things that they want, you need to want to protect yourself and know your business well enough to make the sacrifices that are necessary for you to be able to get it. I've had many personal struggles. I've gone through mental, physical, emotional abuse. I've also grew up with low self-esteem, not feeling my value, not understanding how worthy I was. And I was able to learn through the power of self-love to overcome those sinking feelings to be healthy, healed, and whole. I know how hard it can be to just find your place. Some of us are still struggling. We wanna find our place in this world and we wanna know our purpose. And sometimes that purpose may be being healthier Sometimes that purpose may also be leaving that nine to five, leaving that toxic work environment. Sometimes that healing may look like just simply being healthy, happy, and loving yourself, being out of that low self-esteem. That's why I created Go Queen. I wanted to reach out to other women and show them that you may have been knocked down a few times, but you definitely will not be counted out. You can take that pain that you've experienced and you don't have to be ashamed. You can take that pain and you can build your purpose. Life is so short. We are not allotted the time that we arrogantly think that we have. We have to live in our dreams and purpose right now. So what's stopping you? Maybe you don't know how to manage your time properly. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I have this nine to five. I don't have the time to follow that dream and I'll just put it off on the back burner. But one thing I can tell you that is guaranteed, each and every one of us has a day and a time where we will no longer be on this earth. So you don't have the time to waste anymore. As a purpose coach and brand strategist, I'm committed to helping women of color rise above their challenges and create purposeful and passion-driven brands. You can reflect your unique story. Let me be your guide in this journey of healing and growth. You don't have to let your past hold you back from a bright future. You can turn your pain into power. You deserve to win.
make the sacrifices that are necessary for you to be able to get it. Wow. That is some very, very, very good advice because, you know, it's just kind of sad when you hear some of your favorite artists, when they'll mention something that they went through in the past of how they really struggled or they signed a bad deal. It's kind of shocking, but it's just sad mm-hmm. to know the back end because all we see is, you oh, know, yeah. Slammer. We see the video, we hear the song on the radio, we see the actor on, you know, TV or on a movie screen, but we have no idea the things that go on on the back end, you know, so that is some very good information. With your career as an attorney, and this sounds like a very exciting field, of course, what have been some of your highlights? Because again, like you said, it's a male-dominated field, and that is true when you hear people shouting out the attorneys and the rap songs and stuff. It is always a white male Jewish attorney. And obviously you defy all of that. So what have been some of your highlights in your career? Um, it is those types of moments um, where clients come back or, you know, when your clients tell about the impact. Um, I had a client that I work with that put a post up on social media um, or a comment on social media that was like, you know, working with Keisha saved us from making a very, very, very costly mistake. Or, you know, thanks to Keisha, we better understand, you know, XYZ in the business. Um, But of course, working in entertainment, it has its perks. You know, I have had some very interesting moments um, that are both bittersweet, um, but it just shows like the benefits. Um, One thing that always stands out to me is I happened to be in LA for the Grammys the year that Whitney Houston passed away. And I was at the event where she gave her last performance. you know, so it's it's moments like that, um, walking red carpets or seeing like movies or projects that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember working on that project and seeing it come to fruition and seeing the reviews and knowing that you had a very small role in helping that to come to fruition. Those are the things that are highlights for me. Um, and I think that it's just another way of being able to help people. And it's a beautiful thing to help people to achieve their dreams and their goals, because it's a fulfillment moment for them, but for me as well. Well, I do know, obviously, outside of being a great attorney, that you are a mother and a wife. You have two small children, as you mentioned. How do you balance everything with your busy career and being there as a wife and a mom? How do you how do you find the time, first off? And how do you find your balance to stay sane <laughs> and everything? And I'll tell you that that is a challenge. Um, because yes, I have a four and a six-year-old. My son Caden is a four-year-old, my daughter Callie is a six-year-old. Um, soon to be five and seven. I'm in the midst of planning her seventh birthday and his fifth birthday with two of his other friends. Um, but for me, I was very when I became pregnant with my daughter. That was a moment for me that was kind of, okay, shift in priorities. Um, Because what I knew is me being present for her and eventually them 
that was a non-negotiable for me. Um, and I think that that is where the benefit of having my firm, my practice, it lends itself to that, right? Because if I need to schedule a meeting or a client after a recital or a performance, then that's what's going to happen. Because whether it's a spelling bee, it's a sing-along, whatever it happens to be, it's important to me and to them that I'm able to show up, right? So when my daughter has a spelling bee and she's like, mommy, are you going to be there? It does not matter because come hell or high water, I'm going to be there. Even though some days I am there with my laptop and I'm working and, you know, I am multitasking, but my presence is a non-negotiable there for me and for them. I will tell you that finding that balance and all of that, it has taken some time to do um, because I, I struggle at first. Like, just being honest, it was difficult because I felt like I had to do it all. And I felt as though asking for the help was in some kind of a way me saying, oh, I can't do it. So because of that, I was determined to be able to do it all. And I was headed at 100 miles an hour into a wall at that rate. And you can't sustain like that. So I had to get better at utilizing resources and allowing for the help and understanding that the same way that I would delegate in my firm to say, okay, you handle this, you handle that. I had to get okay with delegating when it came to being a mother, because that was a hard piece for me. Um, and, you know, I, I'm still working on it. I still have not mastered it. I, you know, it's still a daily struggle when it comes to that and my home life. But at least now I am cognizant that it is something that I need to work on. But yeah, that balanced life is, you know, it's something else. My friends are always like, do you, are, do you ever go anywhere without your laptop? And I'm like, no, but this is, this is how I am able to make it all make sense. Sometimes I am doing dinner with my girlfriends and, you know, something comes through and I'm like, hold on. And I go to the bag and I pull my laptop out. I get done what I need to get done. And then I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm here. So that's, you know, that's me still figuring it out, but, you know, still being able to, in my mind, show up versus not showing up at all because work drives everything. Right, right. With everything, and that is a lot to juggle, do you take time for any self-care practices for yourself? If you do, can you share what some of those self-care practices are? Oh, yes. Now, I, I definitely believe in self-care. Like, I am going to go and get my nails done. I believe in massages and facials. And, you know, I have people laughing all the time because I was like, last summer I had like the 40-year-old version of a hot girl summer because I traveled. I did several um, trips with just my girls or my friends or a couple's trips with me and my husband. Like I, I felt like the summer of 2022 was like the reclamation of Keisha as an individual, not as Ty's wife, not as Callie and Caden's mom, not as, you know, whoever's attorney. It was just more so about me saying, hey, 
I have to get back to the point where I'm in rotation sometime as well. Um, so yes, I definitely believe in those things. You know, again, that is where I may say, hey, on this Thursday or Wednesday, don't put anything on my calendar from this time to this time because I'm going to go while my kids are at school and get a massage or get my nails done or whatever the case may be. But that self-care is super important. And that is, you know, even when I was still in the struggle of trying to do it all, those things stayed in rotation because I don't know that I would have had the refill to keep going without it. Mm -hmm. Now, with everything that you mentioned, and a lot of women, I think, whether their career is in law or being business women or entrepreneurs, whatever that career is, they deal with a lot of juggling acts, the struggle to balance. And stress comes with that, of course, doing too much sometimes, not taking any time for themselves. And they deal with a lot of burnout. What is your advice to, for someone who may be struggling with burnout, how do you advise someone to conquer that? And also the second part of that question is how do you maintain your mental health through all of that? Because as I mentioned, some people get so stressed out handling being a wife, mother, trying to pay the bills with their business is so many different hats that a lot of women are wearing and they'll become completely burnt out. It totally abuses their mental health. So what advice do you have for women who have so many hats to wear similar to yourself on how to avoid that burnout and how to cater to their mental health? Well, I think it goes back to utilizing resources, right? Because I was there. Um, you know, it was interesting because after I had my daughter, it was like, and, and I was nursing, I breastfed both of my kids, um, 13 months. Um, and you know, one of my friends and mentors, she was like, you are small. And some of our other friends was like, no, she looked good to have just had a baby. And she was she recognized it. And she said to me, she said, no, yes, you do look good. She was like, but it's not just about you nursing. She was like, you're overextended. And she pulled my coattail in order to pull the shade down to say, no, 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 we have to expose this because you have to do this a different way. Otherwise the facade is going to come crashing down on you. And so utilizing the resources and the help that is there and available is something that's very important. And I understand that everybody's support system is different, um, but you have to build one, whatever that looks like for you in order to give yourself a reprieve or to give yourself a break. Um, and the other thing is too, like it is this poem and it's a poem that is don't forget your girlfriends. And the gist of the poem talks about, you know, this young girl, she says, you know, her mom is telling her like shortly after she got married, don't forget your girlfriends. And, you know, she says, well, 
I found it to be strange because I had just married the love of my life and all of that. But my mom was telling me, you know, don't forget your girlfriends. And the poem was essentially saying, you know, girlfriends can be friends, they can be sisters, they can be, you know, relatives or whatever the case may be. But even as you go through marriage, as you go through children, as you go through all of the ups and downs of life, that is such an important element that you have those people that are there because they show up for you, you know, like for me, battling the burnout means that I may go and have dinner with my girlfriends and it may just be that we are going to talk and laugh and catch up and laughter is truly medicine for the soul. So it may be, you know, just the craziest things or stories or whatever the case may be, but it refills me to be able to jump back in and get back into the rat race all over again. And then I can pop out and get those refills. Plus it gives a sense of normalcy, right? Because before we become somebody's wife or mother or whatever the case may be, we are individuals. And to have those moments that you get to feel like just that, right? I get to be just Keisha in those moments when I am at dinner with my girlfriends. I am not mommy. I'm not wife. I'm not whatever the case may be. I just get to be Keisha. What do you think about this? Or Keisha, what's going on with you? And I get to have a seat at the table just as me as an individual. And it reminds me of those things and it balances it out. Because a lot of times as women, we are the ones who are nurturers. We keep the things balanced and we're juggling all of the balls and all of that. And sometimes we're so busy taking care of everyone else that we forget to take care of ourselves. So I know that for me, I battle burnout by not forgetting my girlfriends, like my my girls are are a very, very, very important part of my life. Hmm. That's wonderful. That's, and that's some good gems for, you know, young women to know, because I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to arrive. Like I know you mentioned feeling that like you arrived like early on in the interview. I think sometimes when you're so ambitious, we get to the moment where we get so caught up in the arrival that we forget certain things that just keep us whole and keep us sane and keep us humble. It's easy to get caught up and get into that burnout and get into that stress, you know, wearing all those different hats gets really, really heavy. So one of my last questions is you, as I mentioned, it's just amazing that you're in a career, as you said, it's something that people would think of, you know, the white male taking over and you've, put your mark in, you put your foot down and you've made yourself who you are with your, with your branding. So what role has self-love played in your life, but also self-love in your career? Because I feel like self-love gives us the, the confidence to step into those rooms and still well, be who I think are. that self-love is so super important um, because for one, if you are doing something that you don't love, then it's very hard. I, before my firm, before I started my firm, I went through a period of what 
I was working on, I hated it. I I worked for a mid-sized debt collection firm and I absolutely hated the work that I did. And I felt like on Sunday nights, I would, I felt ill because I didn't want to go to work the next day, right? And when I began my practice, it was a hustle. I did real estate to begin because I knew that I wanted to do entertainment, but I also was very determined that I was not going to go into another position that I hated. So Georgia is an attorney state. And because it is an attorney state, I had to, you know, I would drive to people's homes in order to do real estate closings. But I was okay with that because for one, it allowed me to be able to do what I needed to do on the entertainment, but it, the entertainment side, but it also allowed me to be able to pay the bills on my own terms. So because of all of that, I was just very adamant about making a way in order for me to do something that I could be fulfilled in. So that love of what you do professionally is just as important as loving yourself because it gives a fulfillment. And not only that, it gives a different type of drive and motivation. Like people would be like, you're driving to where to do a closing? I'm like, I got to get this checked. And I knew how many closings that I needed to do per month in order to make sure that my bills were paid. And, and I'm a, I'm a travel girl. I like to travel. So not only that, I I knew how much I needed to do in order to be able to do my little traveling too. But because I thoroughly loved what I did, I was fine to put the work in, in order to get the result that I wanted. And, you know, I will say this because you hear a lot of these philosophies on, you know, team, no sleep and no new friends and all of these things. And I'm like, let me let me say this for me in my world. Those are the most ignorant philosophies that exist. One, when you talk about self-care, sleep is extremely important because you cannot properly function. And in what I do in reading contracts all day, I know I would miss something if I'm on team no sleep. The second thing is that whole no new friends and all of this without relationships, I would not be where I am today either. So you need all of these things to be working in conjunction with each other in order to continue to reach your goal and to be able to continue to give yourself the self-love that is needed, as well as having the love for the career and what you do so that you are motivated to say, hey, this may be difficult right now, but I'm doing something that I'm lo- that I love, so it's worth the sacrifice. I think about it in the same respect as, as my children. You know, when you talk to most parents, that newborn phase is killer, right? But they have so much love for that little person that even though it's hard, it's difficult, you know, for some moms, bless them, they go through postpartum depression and and it's all of these things that people deal with. But that love for that little one drives them to create miracles out of difficulty. You got to have that same love when you are talking about yourself as well as whatever it is that you do professionally, because it gives you an extra something 
to keep going when going when keeping on seems impossible. Yes. And thank you for mentioning the whole team no sleep because sleep we need eight hours of sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's minimum important. seven. Even <laughs> even as adults, minimum seven. Yes. 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 And I'm a nap girl. Look, yeah. I'm all about taking naps. So yes. <laughs> I'm happy you mentioned that because there's too many people that think, you know, being busy is the thing. No, like you have to rest. Like our bodies have to rest. We need to stop playing with our health. Okay. You burn yourself out. Mm -hmm. It's not benefiting anyone. If your body's yeah. all run down, you're not getting any rest. And as you mentioned, in, in your field, you got to have some energy. So get your sleep. So I'm happy that you mentioned that. Yes. So, Thank you for this conversation, but I wanted to end everything with, for any young woman who tunes in and watches this and they have an aspiration to join the law field or even get into the entertainment field, do you have any lasting words of motivation or encouragement for any young woman of color that'll hear your interview? Absolutely. Um, you know, I am a heavy woman of faith. And we all come across obstacles. We all come across, you know, those questions and those doubts. And the one thing that is my quote that I even have on my website is just because it has not happened does not mean that it won't happen. You are either being prepared, positioned, or protected. Keep going. That is the way that you reach the finish line. And something that my grandfather, my late grandfather would tell me is, you cannot beat a failure unless you try. And, you know, like a lot of times we can get discouraged on our journey or there can be so many obstacles that happen that make us feel like, you know, I'm ready to give up, but again, Failure is not final unless you stop. I had failures. I had obstacles, but I did not reach my goals because I stopped. So the main thing is keep going, keep going. Sometimes it may get to plan Z because you are reinventing plan A, B, and C because that one element needed to be changed or tweaked. But again, you keep going and eventually you get it right. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. I love what you're doing and your energy is amazing. And I know that you'll inspire people that listen to your interview. Before we go though, tell everyone how they can find you, how they can look you up on social media, your website, contact information, how they can connect with you. Absolutely, absolutely. I can be reached on Instagram and Twitter at Keisha Perry ESQ. And also the firm's website is www.perrylawgroup.com. And yeah, also I think on LinkedIn, it is under Keisha Perry Esquire. Okay, awesome. Well, I know people will definitely connect with you. Thank you again for your time. I know you're busy, but I definitely appreciate this conversation. It has definitely been a pleasure. And I just hope that people just pick up 
I know like your career is fabulous, but I just love how you in this interview just gave the gems on how you can take care of yourself, take time for your family, your friends, and just still being happy and healthy. So thank you again for this conversation and thank you all for tuning in to the Key Chat. Of course, you can learn more at www.goqueen.com. Make sure you take care of yourself and of course, importantly, go love you. Now they must have did this beat.